Hey guys, my name is Justin Odisho and I wanted to do a bookshelf tour video. We're currently on quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. All the bookstores are closed. So I'm sure someone out there, maybe not all of you, but a few people out there will enjoy taking this tour along with me on my personal library. I, per I just personally enjoy going to bookstores regularly, like every week a couple times a week used bookstores around me thrift stores and then every once in a while like library sales and things like that because it's it gives you a chance to be surrounded with information and ideas and interesting people throughout all of time and history more so than just the few decades that you've been alive and you never know what might catch your eye as you're browsing around in a random bookstore and you flip open the page and all of a sudden you're having a conversation or you're seeing some sort of idea or scene from some other place in time. So as, as corny as it sounds, it's kind of like the closest thing to a time machine that you can walk around is a bookstore or a library. Um, and I think we make books out to be this Ab like dense abstract thing when in reality it's truly just words on a page that and words are just symbols for things and ideas and images so when you look at a book it's like oh it's a book but if you break it down into just a collection of words on pages bound together then it's more than just a book technically this is like a symbol representing something, like a story or whatever. That sounds way more, that probably sounds crazily abstract and whatnot, but that's also another point on why I enjoy having physical books. Um, I do have a Kindle and you can have thousands of books on there, but there's something also to having a shelf full of books that just because obviously I haven't read all of these, Obviously, um, I don't think the point of having a library is to have read every single book on there. For me, it's just to have a bunch of things that I'm curious about and a bunch of things that I know are recommended at my disposal or ready for me one day to browse through them. But I do think there's something to even just knowing about the books. Like, I may not have read this book yet, The Metamorphoses by Ovid, but I do know what it's about. I do kind of know the idea of it. So you can kind of learn just by looking at them over and over. <laughs> but you know, I do like to read as well. So why don't we begin with this section here. If you didn't notice, it's all like ancient Greek or older epic poems. Oh, and then some Roman stuff as well. So you have Plato, complete works. Uh, I'm a bit of a completionist. I had a bunch of just the individual little slim volumes when I was reading through them. And then eventually I just said, let me get the complete works because there's no point of having like 50 little Penguin Classic volumes of them. Maybe you can't bring it along in a backpack as well, but... 
I've already read a good bit of them. Plato and a lot of this stuff is like really foundational building block level stuff for a lot of uh, literature beyond that um, and also philosophy and just lots of things like that in general. Next up, another complete plays that we have is Aristophanes, who is like a comedic playwright, was a comedic playwright, ancient Greece. And this is another um, citing of evidence that Socrates was more than just a figment of Plato's imagination, supposedly, because Socrates is also written about by Aristophanes in the play The Clouds. Here we have this trilogy almost, but not necessarily a trilogy. We have Homer, the Iliad, and the Odyssey. These are available in dozens of translations almost. Maybe a dozen translations, I don't know. Um, but these are just the Robert Fagel's Penguin Classics translation. These as well are like foundational epic poems. One thing I didn't even mention that I want to mention, this one reminds me because I found this at a thrift store for 10 cents and I found throughout the majority of these I found like a third of everything on this shelf from frequent trips to thrift stores and then another third just from going to library sales for like a dollar a piece books and then a majority even more just at the used bookstore for a couple dollars and only a few things that I have I ordered online I did want to make a point that reading is can be expensive but Really, it's not really that expensive in dollars. It's more so much more expensive in time. And if you really think about it, one college course costs hundreds, if not thousands of dollars and costs more than entire shelves worth of books. But which one would probably be more beneficial if you actually sat down and studied them? This is obviously a lifetime's worth of material that you could go over just in a handful of shelves but despite that I still have hundreds of more books that I constantly am adding to wish list and just things that I see and pick up but we have a, another mix of like Rome and Greek history and writings that are left a lot of plays more Greek plays sometimes I'll just go to the thrift store and it looks like some student of literature or someone who took a class just donated their whole set of books. Like recently, I found this nice Chicago Press copy of the histories and um, these books on some battles that happened. And yeah, you find whole and, and this Caesar and all these Roman writers. I found them all, so I picked them all up because I'd like to be familiar with them and read them through one day. But it's not about just buying it just because it's cheap or just to have it. Uh, everything that I wouldn't buy it, even if it was free, I wouldn't take something, even if it was free, if it wasn't something that I was actually interested in or curious about. Moving along there, we go to the poetry and plays section. So this little stack here that's vertical is Shakespeare. Now, again, I don't know how convenient having this whole complete works is. But I, at some point, wanted to not have 50 random slim volumes of all the plays. I'd like to read through at least most of the major works of Shakespeare. Just because, again, he's one of those really important, influential 
figures. And I have read a good amount. I've read King Lear, Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, all that stuff. We had to read Hamlet in high school, but I'd like to reread it again as a more well-lived person. <laughs> These don't necessarily go along with Shakespeare, but I just didn't have room. Fernando Pessoa, a Portuguese writer. And I have a cool bookmark in here that I got from Japan at the Osaka Library. I put it into Google Translate and I forgot what it says, but it says something like books are friends or something like that. But this, I guess it's not technically poetry, but it reads like poetry. It's more like a diary. Another Ovid, these Loeb, this is the only Loeb classical edition I have. On the left hand side, it has the original language. So in this case, Latin and on the right hand side, the translation. So I'm really interested in languages as well and learning languages. In this way, you can kind of solve the issue of translation altogether because you can reference the original language. I don't know Latin, but I studied Spanish in high school, so I can pick up a word or two. Uh, languages are just interesting to me and I'll show you more. I have more on language. Again, more bilingual stuff. In this case, you have French on the left and English on the right. So. Once you know one, partially, one Latin language, like Spanish or French, they're all related in a way, so you can pick up words here or there, which is one of the only useful things that I came out of high school with, I feel like, concretely. Aside from math and all that stuff, that's useful too. Here we have a nice edition of Walt Whitman. I mainly got this because I'd want, I want to read Leaves of Grass. Because it's, I've, I just saw it highly touted and recommended a bunch. But I really enjoy these Library of America editions. They're hardcover. They print American authors. Classics on acid-free paper. Nice binding, cloth covered. And I'm sure this will last a lifetime as long as nothing happens to it. And I found some at library sales. Library of America used editions that must be 20 plus years old and they still look brand new. One thing I forgot to mention about buying used books. You see this big book about Shakespeare by Harold Bloom who recently died, but I have a few Harold Bloom books. He writes like literary criticism and review, I guess you could say. So when I was going through my phase of trying to figure out what books I need to be working through or should be working through if I want to get a good foundation. He popped up in my list and I found this at a library sale for $1 and came to find out that it was autographed randomly when I opened it up later. So that was a cool surprise. Here we have another cool bilingual edition of, of poetry. In this case it is Spanish on the left and English on the right. So I am on and off trying to learn and brush up on my Spanish better because I do have a decent foundation and vocabulary from studying a few years in high school. But in this way, I can read good poetry and pick up some vocabulary and language at the same time. Maybe that takes the fun and art out of it and I shouldn't try to do that. But along with the poetry, I do have plays together here. So these are plays. Um, I have a bunch of book, not a bunch, but I have a couple books on how to read poetry, which I read because I always felt like I just didn't get poetry. I kind of get it now, but it's it's different than music where 
you know, a baby can listen to music and kind of get it. Poetry, I always thought perhaps there's something I'm missing. So again, here's the more Howard Bloom, the best poems, the best books, the Western canon. I guess some people dislike this whole idea of the Western canon or it's a, it's divisive because it holds a lot of politics within it. It was a good starting point for just getting some sort of general idea on what books are have been considered influential throughout the years. I don't hold it as like the holy grail. Moving up here, we have a shelf I enjoy, which is the philosophy section. Here's a section that I was reading when I first kind of got into reading a bit more. These books, such as Meditations and The Shortness of Life and Seneca's Letters and Stoicism in general, um, they are classics, but they're also widely popular nowadays. And unfortunately, they have been co-opted in a way. They've been kind of rewritten often and watered down into business help books and stuff like that. Which, But that doesn't take away from the fact that the original text is still a classic and still good, despite that association now. Um, so stoicism here, I still enjoy it, and we move on from there. This only reason I have two editions of this is because this Classics Club version, it is a different translation, but it also has some extra, it has some extra uh, writings and other writers' letters and stuff in the end. Kind of mixed in with the philosophy section is a bit of psychology. So we have a history of, of psychology. So we have a story of psychology, kind of like a history, and also the basic writings of Freud, the basic writings of Jung. Here's one that I started a bit of, but I'd like to finish is uh, his kind of memoir. I think he wrote this in the later part of his life, reflecting back on a lot of his works, but I've seen him referenced a lot in some other books I was reading, and just the fact that he, just the whole in interpretation of dreams and things having to do with dreams, because I was reading a book about sleep as well, so the whole dream thing is interesting to me. Probably one of my favorites, if not a favorite that I've read throughout this shelf is Schopen, Arthur Schopenhauer, who is another German philosopher, incredibly pessimistic, but I also find his writing not purposefully, but very funny for some reason. He's a very funny character. I think he has a quote in here that says, always reading, never to be read. But he also has a quote in here that says you can, you should never read bad books because there's not enough time and you can never read enough good books. Closely related to Schopenhauer is Nietzsche. I read Beyond Good and Evil, some of Human All Too Human, and some of The Birth of Tragedy. And I'd like to read Thus Spoke Zarathustra next. Um, he writes in a way that's very... I feel like he could write about nothing and still make it sound good, but also I feel like he writes about more than just nothing. So it's like 
it's very entertaining philosophy. It's not dry such as some other philosophers which are really like perhaps like Aristotle might be. I don't want to put Aristotle down because I haven't read through him too much, but he's not like just defining things and doing he's he's almost poetic with it too. I also read through a couple different history of philosophies when I was digging into philosophy a lot to even know where to start from, not just jumping straight into Nietzsche, maybe starting with Plato first and working around and forward from there and understanding a little bit of that. So history, reading the history of philosophy is its own thing too. Moving up from that, we have the kind of like religion and theology section. I got interested in different world religions because I got really interested. I started watching these like religious debates on YouTube, you know, reading how this actually came to be this collection of books, what it actually is, and then actually becoming familiar with some of the stories in there, which themselves are constantly referenced throughout all kinds of literature and everything really. So I felt like I owed it to myself to actually understand what this book is and not and what's in it, not just what I think it is. And obviously we all probably have some familiarity with lots of religious texts, but why not actually understand them or actually see what's in them rather than just your idea of what's in them. And I guess that also goes with like a lot of these different authors. Some of them might be controversial. Some of them, some people hate, some of them, some people love. And I don't necessarily endorse anyone that's just because they're on the shelf. It's just something that I would, I wanted to see for myself or I was curious about. So aside from that, um, I think I found some pastors like study stuff at a thrift store one time. All these really technical sounding books like exegetical fallacies, but they talk about reading biblical Greek, New Testament Greek, so just the whole history of, of the book is interesting in general. Moving on from that, we have like these Indian classics of like spiritual texts, I guess you would call them. Huston Smith, the same author that I found this one at. also found this one at a thrift store, but it's uh, comparative religion and worlds, like world religions and comparative study of religions, which I found interesting. You have Eastern religions like Confucianism, Confucius, which these almost um, could fall into the philosophy. Like a lot of stuff here actually is almost of like the philosophical or, or aphoristic type, which I like as well, despite the fact that it might have religious bends to it. Paradise Lost is up here just because it is kind of like, it is technically not biblical, but it's a epic poem of the story of Adam and Eve and the their fall, f um, them getting kicked out of the Garden of Paradise. Uh, and then more like biblical history, the Dead Sea Scrolls, how they found all those scrolls that had bunches of parts of biblical writing that were never known before in these jars in the caves. Moving on from that, we have more like esoteric religious stuff. Um, this technically is just about William Blake, who was a poet, but he dealt with a lot of religious material. And he also was had all these cool drawings, which you might recognize. So multi-talented guy. I Can you believe that I found this one for free, actually? Moving into this corner, we have like 
language studies. Um, I guess this Steven Pinker book isn't language. And funny enough, um, on the other shelf, I have some Nassim Taleb books, which I've actually read. I haven't read these yet. Nassim Taleb constantly is calling out Steven Pinker on Twitter. But yet they're there. They seem interesting. So we'll see for myself. Uh, and then we have some, just some books about language. So I have Japanese language. I went to Japan. It's funny how you pick up words when you actually go to the the place. Like I didn't know any Japanese and I ended up knowing how to say a few phrases and things. So I it's just fun to like practice that. We have Arabic language and I have Spanish language books, but those are on my nightstand. I'm working through them more actively. And then we have Latin textbooks and the actual Latin. So if I ever want to go back to the root, maybe perhaps so I can read some of those books like the Ovid. This is a cool one. I found at a thrift store. It's just Latin proverbs. So it has the proverb in Latin and then the English translation. It's interesting how much of English itself has lots of words, basically tons of words with Latin roots. So I'd imagine that if you knew Latin, you'd also kind of be able to know English a little bit better as well. Then moving up here, we have more of like a science section. Um, this is like my Joe Rogan section here. We have some books on Terence McKenna and Doors of Perception. And we have some Einstein, Darwin, more books. Here's an interesting one I read, Tesla, My Inventions. This is actually like autobiographical writing that he did. And there's an interesting thing he, there was an interesting little story he told about how he has like photographic vision or like photographic imagination where he could just think of the way that an invention should be wired together in his head and then he'd make it. And I feel like that with video editing effects when I teach them. Sometimes I know the program so well, I can combine effects in my head and I'll know how they'll work. We have some books on like food and food science, I guess, um, more science, science fiction. And then this section here is just like small books that don't really fit anywhere else. And then this section here is like my weird curiosity dive into alt literature, supposedly it's called. I saw this book recommended by someone on YouTube. As someone who's grown up alongside the internet and internet culture myself, it's a very modern take on a novel and it feels like the internet version of a novel. Um, but I didn't really care. I got all these in like a lot, I think on eBay. I didn't really care for like some of the poetry. Apparently the guy has gotten himself into some controversy in the past. So again, it's like one of those things I'm not necessarily condoning this, the, the, whatever the author does in their personal life, but it's interesting how we're totally curious to read the diaries of like people in the past hundreds and hundreds of years ago who might have been horrible people. It's like if they're alive right now, it's taboo to do the same thing. So that finishes this part of my bookshelf. This is what I'd consider this like the more academic and scholarly section because it's got such dense topics such as philosophy and religion and classical Greek and stuff on there. On my other main shelf, the other half of my library, 
is a lot more lighthearted stuff. Um, but okay, maybe not lighthearted, but it's just general fiction. It's definitely more colorful. Go ahead, take a snack break. Consider that the intermission between shelves. Speaking of William Blake, um, I got this book for two reasons. It seemed interesting. I found it at a used bookstore. Uh, I really trust New York Review Book Classics. And it also had a William Blake painting as the cover. And it seemed it had an interesting title. I think I passed by it on two visits and then picked it up on the second one. So I hope not to seem like a hoarder or as if when am I ever going to read all these. I don't intend to literally read everything on my shelf, but there's been so many times where I had something because it's something and it's told me to pick it up because I was curious about it. And then months down the line, it became relevant to my interest and I picked it off the shelf and I read it. James Joyce, Dubliners. James Joyce actually is a writer that kind of another one of those that kind of got me into wanting to start with the classics in a roundabout way. We're going to go all the way to the top here. I, I had wanted to read Ulysses because it's constantly listed as one of those books, you know, that one of those great books, one of those best books of all times that you should read. However, the title Ulysses is in reference to the Odyssey by Homer. And so you can see how I went down some rabbit hole there. Not that you have to read the Odyssey at all to read that, but that's just the type of person I am. And so a lot of these two might just be things that I've seen that are well recommended or that seem often recommended that I'll pick up if I happen to see at a library sale. Like I haven't read this one, but I saw it at a library sale for a dollar and I've seen it recommended. It's the same story with Cormac McCarthy haven't read them yet. I have seen the movie of this, but I see these at the bookstore for cheap, a dollar. I'll pick them up because I do plan on getting into them one day. And just, you know, some, some classic stuff that I'd just like to read one day in my life, like Don Quixote and things like that. So they're just on my shelf. Here we have a collection of some nicer hardcover books that I have. Um, oftentimes if I see a nicer hardcover book or like these Library of America ones that combine multiple volumes in one, I like to consolidate my shelf down so that I don't have to have a bunch of redundant copies. And it's just one nice edition that'll last forever. So these are American, these are all American authors. Melville, I'm currently reading Moby Dick. That one's in my room. And... I really like the way he writes. I also have this Melville biography, which we'll get to in this other section. But I picked up a bunch of Melville stuff. So this whole shelf here is more so classics. Um, not necessarily all fiction, but a lot of it is. And I guess this is technically poetry as well. Like I said, my shelves are not totally purely organized but I do have an appreciation for the classics and I do feel like if there's already so many good books out there for thousands of years that you're never going to read in a lifetime anyway why should I be reading everything just because it came out in 2020 or just because it came out this month not that I 
only read older stuff but it's the same with music why should you only listen to stuff that came out this week when there's literally greatest hits upon greatest hits upon great stuff that's been out for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's been allowed to skim the top off only the best throughout time rather than just what came out new this week Finnegan's Wake another one of those a lot of these books have like cult followings themselves which caught my curiosity like Finnegan's Wake and Gravity's Rainbow and Infinite Jest these books that seem to have cult followings themselves this book apparently start this book is like largely all run on almost gibberish but I suppose you could some people literally break down page by page word by word it starts where it ends though I mean it ends in a run-on sentence and starts back in a loop it's kind of like how my library ends with Ulysses and then starts back over at Homer more chess books not necessarily chess books but chess fiction which is probably the nerdiest things that I have on my shelf here we have some Japanese actually a, a good amount of Japanese authors I was reading this one I found this at a thrift store Murakami is not necessarily known for his nonfiction. it's about the sarin gas attacks that happened in the Tokyo underground apparently the it was like some religious cult that did this sarin gas attack and they sharpened up umbrella tips and poked these bags on the subway. A few months later, I was in Japan on the subway and everyone had umbrellas and it was rainy on the train. And I just thought of that. It's funny how song lyrics and things come true. Maybe subconsciously you fulfill them. Moving on, it kind of blends into nonfiction. I guess you'd consider them nonfiction, but autobiographical writings like Benjamin Franklin, Benvenuto Cellini. Moving up here, we have more biographies in this case, not necessarily autobiographies. I feel like stuff like this just ends up on everybody's shelf. Um, but I have a lot of music biographies. Johnny Cash, Tchaikovsky, Jeff Buckley is probably one of my favorite like artists in general. I've read two books on him more than anyone probably needs to <laughs> i do like it's interesting to me how these uh all these books commu can communicate with each other in a way or they all have relationships with each other you can actually find jeff buckley's library online and see what books he had on his shelf and music you can actually find him doing a rendition of this poem eula loom for some sort of um collab some sort of Edgar Allan Poe poetry audio mix book with a bunch of other celebrity people reciting them. This here, this book is funny um, because it's def it's not at all like a Penguin classic <laughs> like the other ones. Morrissey just would not, apparently I don't think he would release the book unless with Penguin unless they put it under the classics imprint, which those spines do look nicer than all the other ones I will admit, so a lot of times people ask me like what are my inspirations it won't necessarily be like oh this other editor or this other youtuber or whatever like my inspirations are just the lives of other people again i'm interested in like cryptocurrency cryptography bitcoin and all that stuff 
some people say that quantum computing will one day break cryptography or Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. But so that's that, there's an interesting chapter in here about that. But this isn't technically about currency at all. But it's just about the mathematics of code and different type of code, which is also interesting. I remember one of the one of the earliest books that I read in my life. I must have been in elementary school. It was some sort of code book. It it was like a little mystery novel, but it taught how to write a cipher, how to like swap a letter for a number and stuff. More pandemic related stuff. I before everything was on lockdown, I went to the bookstore and got everything I could find on viruses and also everything I could find on economic collapses and panics. And I told the lady as I was cashing out, I'm just getting ready for the end of the world. And I was kind of joking and she didn't really know what I was talking about. But now the world is kind of ending. This had a really interesting paragraph at the end about how us humans think we're the only, we always think of ourselves as just all there is on this earth. But in reality, we're not even the most populous species as opposed to bacteria and insects and things like that so interesting perspective from a virus hunter here we have some books about books so obviously like one thing to touch on throughout this whole thing is like why even read and i think that's important before you sit here and hoard the shelves of books why are you reading like what is reading even what is a book we have another one how to read literature like a professor so just some more books about books. We have books about writing. Um, I guess even if you're not like a writer, writing is a skill that most people will use in their daily life or online a lot. So, I mean, it can't hurt to be a better writer, be a better communicator. Video editing in a way is communication, is language. And again, I guess that's why I'm, in I'm just interested in language in general. I actually found this book from my buddy... Clifford, Books Are Better better Than Food is his channel on YouTube. You should check it out if you're not familiar with it. Um, we did a podcast together a while ago. He reviewed this autobiographical series, and I saw them at my bookstore, used bookstore, for a couple bucks. So thought I'd pick them up and see what they're about. And then in this section, we just kind of have some odds and ends, like some history books, history of India and England and stuff like that and just some random books I found at a thrift store um, about architecture and terrorism for some reason I didn't know that the topic of architecture was interesting to me but I guess the way that a building is built I mean you know they do have the role software architecture and there's actually a role in a lot of businesses of architecture so I just like the it's like design in general which is interesting to me. Lastly, up here on the last shelf is a lot of economics and those type of books. So again, I'm into the whole concept of cryptocurrency, not necessarily like that I'm a raving proponent and fanatic of it. Um, and that I'm like all in on it like some people are, but it is very interesting just because it, forces you to ask yourself the question of what is money anyway what is money and money itself is a language just like 
all the other things that I guess that are tied into language that I'm interested in. And money is this abstract thing that we all use every day, but what is it exactly? How does it work? How has it been in history? Like what forms of money have there been in history? Um, then we go into Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, just like a classic, I bought this recently, Market Panic, with the whole market panic going on. So there's like, whenever you buy used books, you always find love mom and dad or something like that in the beginning. This book was gifted for Valentine's Day in 2006. And we all know that the market crashed in 2008. And I'd like to imagine this person was underlining all this stuff about how the market was going to crash. I'd like to imagine that they made a lot of money or something, or at least they got out in time, whoever they were. Some Michael Lewis books, The Big Short, some stock investing books, The Intelligent Investor. This book, The 4-Hour Workweek, was, it's kind of like way too technical <laughs> to be a book. Like, there's literally specific URLs in here. I'd imagine, I don't know how that's going to age, but it did help me figuring out if this could be a viable business many years ago. So I guess this could be like what you could call the business section of my shelf. We have some books on influence and persuasion, psychology. I guess that's psychology. Um, 48 Laws of Power. I really don't love this book. <laughs> that's why I only have the concise version. Um, then we have some Marx. Again, more economic theory. We have some political stuff, like the debate on the Constitution. Found these at a library sale, a dollar each. So those seem interesting to me. This as well that same day actually and I'm really interested in econ economic philosophy and economics and all the different schools of thought around that. Here we have Too Big to Fail and you know the story of the 2008 financial crisis um, and I guess this is psychology but thinking fast and slow and some books on randomness and whatnot. Here we have our friend Nassim Taleb. This book is pretty irrelevant right now I guess. Um, I enjoy, I've read this and Fooled by Randomness. I have Anti-Fragile on my nightstand I'm working on, but I have like his whole set of books. Uh, I can't say that I enjoy his writing style, but I didn't realize how much that Nassim Taleb actually is a meme himself on Twitter. And uh, I mean, there's a lot, there's Nassim Taleb memes. He likes to call people imbeciles on Twitter and he hates Steven Pinker. Um, but I do enjoy the ideas in his books, and you begin to love to hate the way that he writes. And then we finish up again with Ulysses, and these are just like, uh, so James Joyce writes in a very elusive way. So I actually got all four of these in an eBay lot together, like in a set on eBay, probably some s literature uh, English student or something. And so he references all type of crazy stuff. And so if I want, I can have the annotations of it. One day when I'm in the mood for it, I'll go back to it. But I have read Dubliners and I'll probably read a portrait of the artist as a young man, which I have down here actually as well that we skipped over. So that takes us just like Finnegan's Wake, as I was saying, all the way back over to the Plato and the Homer. If you made it this far, then thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you taking this personal tour with me. 
through my library if you and i'd love to hear any of your comments uh suggestions books you like or something you saw on my shelf that you've read or whatever so shoot leave me a comment i'll be looking forward to them or uh, send me a dm on instagram or something or shoot me an email if you want to chat about books thanks so much for watching and i'll see you guys next time